bedrock belief that Dr. King held was it's all about love. And the people who are oppressing, the people who are persecuting, they are suffering. They're suffering from a love deficit. Lovers in flight, upward they glide, burst at a high and slowly subside, shades of delight. There was an article, and the title of the article was, Do You Have to Be an Activist to Be a Unitarian Universalist? It, but the article began with this introduction. I'll just read it for you. It said, Unitarian Universalism's public focus has shifted notably in the last three years as UUs have engaged the movement for black lives, the new sanctuary movement, and most recently the resistance movement that is challenging the policies and politics of the Trump administration. While it's true that UUs have been active in justice movements for decades, I would actually say for, for centuries, we are seeing, so wrote the, the, the publishers of this magazine, we are seeing through letters to the editor and in online and in-person dialogue that some UUs are responding to this new focus with excitement, some with relief that we are finally living out what they see as our calling. Others are expressing caution, frustration, or alarm? Well, the first question was, what exactly do you mean when you say activist? So I consulted the ever-reliable online Oxford Dictionary that defines an activist as a person who campaigns to bring about political or social change. That sounded good to me. All right, all right. And then I read the list of synonyms underneath, and they were militant, zealot, protester, radical, extremist. Wait, what? No, I, 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 I don't want to be that person. I'm, I'm not that person. I'm a reasonable, stable, middle-class, middle-of-the-road, patriotic American who just happens to be religiously, socially, and politically liberal and who happens to be appalled by the deterioration of our democracy, the erosion of our civil liberties, the casual misogyny and homophobia that's tolerated every day in our society, the gradual bankrupting of our nation, the systematic betrayal of our country's values, the increasing indifference to state-sanctioned violence both in this country and abroad, and the rise of racist rhetoric and policies in the halls of government. Other than that, I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> and what would I have to possibly complain about or activate about? So I looked for a better definition. And I found the Cambridge English Dictionary, which defines activist as a person who believes strongly in political or social change and takes part in activities such as public protest to try and make this happen. Huh. Well, all right then. That sounds good to me. Do I have to be that kind of activist to be a Unitarian Universalist? Let me just say that there is an assumption behind this question, an assumption about being an activist. And the assumption is that People will agree with us about everything, and when they become activists, they will actively advocate for policies that we support. To me, 
the, the, the bigger issue, as, uh, again, as a, as a lifelong Unitarian Universalist, as an institutionalist in our 450-year-old religious tradition, is that uniformity of views around political and social issues has come to define our faith. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you right now, if you do the work of spiritual transformation, your spirit, your heart, your mind will carry your feet out into the street to advocate for all the right and best things to do that advance human rights for all people, regardless of their skin color, their nationality, their religion, or their gender, or who they love. So, There's only one denomination in the United States, the name of which is explicitly theological. The Baptists are about ritual. The Episcopalians and, and Presbyterians, that's about ecclesiology and how you organize yourself. The Methodists are just about how you pursue Christianity. There's only one denomination in the United States, the name of which is theological. You know what it is? Unitarian Universalist. Unitarians, as opposed to Trinitarian Christians, believe in the oneness of God, whatever that is. However this all came into being, it came from a source, and that source is fully present in us, among us, and through us, and we're part of it. And universalism just means, hey, we all came out of that oneness. We are one human family, no exceptions, and whatever awaits us on the other side of this life we're all going to share in it equally as one human family. We worry so much about uh, doctrines and dogmas and creeds and how we don't want to impose any of those on anybody else. We don't want to impose on us. We hardly talk about theology at all. Our kids finished our religious education programs, and they're unable to say more about Unitarian Universalism than you can believe whatever you want to believe. It's not true is it? Because if you held certain views about humanity, you would be welcome here. You would never hear your views reflected from this pulpit. You would feel uncomfortable every Sunday, every time I open my mouth, and sooner or later you would take your bigoted, biased, racist body out of this sanctuary, or your spirit would change, which is what we really want, right? So, do you need to be an activist to be a Unitarian Universalist? No, that's not, that's not the case. Um, extroverts expect everybody to be just like them, to love talking with strangers. Pietists expect everyone else to be transformed through quiet devotional prayer. Activists expect everybody else to join them on the picket line. Uh, but other religions have a better understanding of human personalities. The great American religious scholar Houston Smith uh, wrote, there are, according to Hindus, uh, or according to the Hindu analysis, four general kinds of people. Uh, some are basically reflective, Others are primarily emotional, others are essentially active, and finally some are most accurately characterized as empirical or experimental. And for each of these personality types, a distinct path of religious training is recommended in Hinduism that is designed to complement individual personality and temperament. Now all of these now, all of these paths are predicated on the individual being peaceful, truthful, self-controlled, self-disciplined, contented, and actually committed to the goal of a deeply religious life. Uh, but there are different ways to deepen our faith and to express our faith, and we need to accept one another uh, in our unique personalities, not try to stamp uniformity on them any more than we want to stamp doctrines on people's foreheads. 
<clears throat> Some of you, uh, like me, are veterans of the military. In the World War II, millions and maybe tens of millions of Americans put on the uniform of our country. And of those millions of servicemen and women, 30% of them actually saw combat. The other 70% created the logistics that sustained those 30%. We can all advance. We can all advance the cause of justice. We don't necessarily need to be carrying signs to do so. You see, there is a collective witness. So there's the historic thousands on Jones Street here in Raleigh in February. I've only worn a clerical collar twice in my life, but this is the sort of thing I break it out for. I want people to know that the ministers are out there speaking, witnessing, working for justice. Then there's individual witness. So, so, so collective action is about altering the narrative in society. Individual witness is about interrupting conversations. What do I mean by that? What I mean is it takes more courage to confront racist language by yourself in a small group when you are the lone voice for justice than it does to put on your yellow t-shirt and march down the street in a sea of 20,000 people who already think like you and believe as you do. It's a lot riskier to speak up in that circle of six than it is to shout out in a sea of thousands. Make no mistake. The issue is not so much activism. The issue is, are you putting your faith into action every single day of your life? Are you seizing those opportunities to be on the right side of justice? Are you there to speak with the angels when the days are dark and the storms are about us in the midst of those tempests? Are we prepared to take risks? Or what are we prepared to sacrifice, really, in the name of justice? I know I'm safe when I wear my clerical collar in the street. The worst they're going to do is arrest me, and they're going to take good care of me. That's what the collar does, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to be a straight white man in America, but let, to be extra safe, I put that clerical collar on. I might as well be packed in bubble wrap. Nothing's going to happen to me. And here's the thing about anti-racism work. It's about making sure that every privilege that I enjoy because of my status in this society is conferred upon every other person equally. It's not about taking something away. It's about making sure that everybody has it in the first place. That's what we're about. We can all do that. We can all do that. And we all need to do that. There are different kinds of collective action and public witness, and some are more effective than others. Public protests with signs and bullhorns that call uh, attention to injustice, they force public awareness of an issue that we'd otherwise like to ignore. And that, that's about altering narratives. Civil disobedience, that's different. And this is, some of you heard me last Sunday talk about my personal hero, Martin Luther King Jr. And this is what we have to understand about what Dr. King believed. The bedrock belief that Dr. King held was it's all about love. And the people who are oppressing, the people who are persecuting, they are suffering. They're suffering from a love 
deficit in their lives. And what we need to do is to fill them up with love because, brothers and sisters, when you're full of love, you can't oppress somebody, you can't hurt somebody, you can't harm somebody. When you're filled with love, it takes over your life. And you can't do anything but be loving and overflow with love. So Dr. King believed that the issue was a love deficit. He was embodying that greater love, that higher love, the love that will not let us go. And it was with compassion that he engaged the brokenness of the people who were oppressing in this country. And and I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at the news, it's hard for me to touch that place of compassion inside myself and say, oh my God. What a broken human being. What a warped, twisted, distorted person. How much hurt was inflicted on that individual to turn them into who I'm seeing today. It's hard for me to access that place of compassion in myself, but that's what, that is the only fuel that is really going to carry us forward to the ultimate vision we hold. Hate and anger and fear aren't going to get us there. They're powerful fuels, but they are not the fuels that we want to be running on individually, spiritually, or collectively as a community of faith. So when we engage in civil disobedience, we purposely violate unjust laws or intrude upon restricted spaces because we want to intentionally burden the apparatus of state forcing it to arrest peaceful people, thereby making it increasingly expensive to continue whatever policies are sparking the protest. Some of you know and have practiced the two different things and know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, these civil disobedience can be highly effective, but you participate in those expecting not to go home at the end of the day. The question is, are we being effective as activists? For example, imagine somebody went to a courthouse with their friends, and they were really angry uh, about what was going on in the country, really angry about the rise of white supremacists, and their protest turned into a fit of anger, and they decided to tear down a statue that they found offensive and hurtful in in front of the courthouse, hypothetically. And... So, now I can be in sympathy with the feelings that they're sharing, but that's not effective activism, that's actually vandalism. And it doesn't get you where you want to be, because it's driven by fear and anger, and it doesn't change the hearts of the people you want to change. Let me tell you what effective activism looks like. Yesterday afternoon, we had a memorial service for a 90-year-old member of this congregation, Lois Borison. That's Lois right there, her picture in front of the flowers. Modest person, hardly a sign-carrying activist. But you know what? In 2013, At age 86, Lois Borison, with her walker, went downtown Raleigh as part of the Moral Monday protest and went right up in there to that restricted space and got herself arrested. 
And because she had a walker, when they handcuffed her hands behind her back, she couldn't go anywhere. So the police officers had to pick Lois up and carry her over to the police van to take her away and arrest her. And the whole time they're carrying Lois away, these police officers are apologizing to her. How bad do you think those people felt enforcing that law? Do you think maybe those police officers wondered to themselves on their way home, what's wrong with our country if I have to carry an 86-year-old woman off to be arrested? That is effective social justice. That's effective activism because Lois was changing hearts and minds of the people who were engaged in the oppression. That's how it works. Give Lois a hand. I don't think that the police officers who arrest people for pulling down statues are driving home going, golly, what inspired that 28-year-old to tear down that statue? Are we being effective? Your heart can be in the right place. Your actions can be ineffective. We're about being effective because the stakes are getting higher in this country every single day. I'm afraid to watch the news to find out what's going to happen next. I can't even... I can't even relate the news from the pulpit anymore because I'm a minister and there are children in here. What's wrong with this country? We need to do something about it. And here's the thing about, effective, about real activism. If we are engaged in activism, we also need to be engaged in purposeful reflection individually. That's what a community of faith does. It tells us to put our faith in action then come back together as a community, read, reflect, study, converse, see how we are changed by the experience, and then from that changed place, take our faith back out into the world. That's how racism gets undone inside individuals. That's why this community is so important. So do you need to be an activist to be a Unitarian Universalist? Strictly speaking, strictly speaking, no. But if we define activist as a person who believes strongly in social change and takes part in activities to make this happen, then maybe we are more activist than we think. You see, the mission of this congregation is to build a Unitarian Universalist community that transforms lives and empowers people to serve the world. If you are supporting this congregation with your time, talent, and treasure, teaching the children, brewing the coffee, serving on a committee, raking the leaves, leading a small group, making a financial commitment of any amount, then you're helping to build a community. And if that community sends a delegation to the State House or the White House and someone gets arrested through an act of principled civil disobedience, or maybe just protest joyfully and peacefully, didn't you support them by helping to make that public witness possible? You may not need to be an activist to be a Unitarian Universalist, but maybe, maybe being an active contributor to and participant in a healthy community that is committed to individual and collective witness, witnesses for justice, maybe that makes us an activist, whether we mean to be one or not. Let's build that community. 
Let's be that community and let's see what transformation comes over us and our nation as we do. Amen. Yeah.